Welcome into the Vanguard One of Rutgers podcasts. That's right, episode 41 of the Rutgers Scoutcast is right here on your phone or computer or tablet. I am your host, Sam Hellman, and we have a big show for you today. No, not that big show. It begins in Springfield, New Jersey, where I have a conversation with Jerry Chuffey. Uh, Rutgers fans know him, and most people know his son, Anthony Chuffey, who signed an NFL agent this week to prepare for the NFL draft. I wish Anthony a ton of luck. He's always been a great kid. He's a hard worker. He's athletic. But he's also a long shot for the NFL, and Anthony said that himself when you saw me interview him earlier in the week. Here's the thing, though. As Quentin Gauze proved with the Denver Broncos, any man with two hands has a fighting chance, and I think Anthony Chaffee is the same exact thing, and I wish him a ton of luck. So I spoke with Jerry Chaffee, and we talk about his deli, which is fantastic, by the way. We talk about his son, who he's very proud of, by the way. But we also talk about Rutgers and about what it's like to go through a coaching change and about what it's like as a parent to watch a 2-10 season for your son's final year. A lot of insight from a guy that's very passionate about Rutgers and he's someone that's going to stay around the program even though his son is moving on. Speaking of moving on, after we hear from Anthony Chaffee's father, Jerry, Brian Doan joins the show And we talk about a lot. Offensive coordinator is the hot topic of the week, obviously. Of course, Rutgers couldn't have the same offensive coordinator for two years in a row. The Kirk Shiraka curse continues, as you know, as you read on Scarlet Report Sunday morning, that Drew Merringer is off to Texas to go back and work for Tom Herman. The search continues, and we discuss it and its impact on recruiting and on player development. Brian and I are also going to talk a little bit about bowl season, and we talk about cornerback commit Amir Marzette. Yes, Brendan Bordner also committed this week, but you just heard Bill Green talk about him, so we didn't want to get too repetitive. Go back and listen to, I believe it was episode 38, and hear what Bill Green had to say about Brendan Bordner and Chris Ash for a pretty interesting conversation. I'd like to have Brendan on the show before he enrolls next month. We'll see how that works timing-wise. If that's someone you'd like to hear on the show, let me know. Otherwise, we'll continue with business as usual. And speaking of business, before we jump into the conversation with Jerry Chaffee, it is my time to remind you that you can give a gift subscription to Scarlet Report. If you're one of our many members that listen to the show, first off, thank you. You're number one. Second off, If you give a gift of Scarlet Report to a friend or family member for Christmas, not only do they get to join this conversation that we have on the premium forums where the real information is available, but you get a little bit of a kickback in return. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, There's articles, links up on the site about it, or you can just go ahead and shoot me an email, shelman at scout.com, about the process. But enough of this palaver. Let's start the show. And it begins at Chaffee's Deli. Uh, welcome to the Rutgers Scoutcast. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, tell me about how special this day is for your family. Really special. It, uh, it's just a, it's to all the hard work that Anthony is, has been going through and, and been persevering all his whole, since he was six years old, and now it's coming to closer to a reality than we think, and, uh, and we know, and he's going to definitely uh, go, go on and do well. 
you know, normally I don't like background noise and stuff when I'm doing these interviews, but I think it's okay to do it in a restaurant. What do you think? Yes, good. Good stuff. Good for me, too. A lot of background noise. That means we're busy. <laughs> uh, what has it been like for you owning this place and operating it with Anthony? I mean, I can't look two feet without seeing a picture of Anthony tackling your bro peppers or Anthony's signing day pictures. Like, I have a feeling a lot of people come in here and yell about how proud they are. They really do. These are pictures and things that customers and fans of his throughout the years have been bringing in. Um, you know, I did the first time I, I took a picture and I brought it home, and the customer would come back and say, where's the picture I got here of Anthony? So I started making a point to add these pictures in, and it's been a real great experience. Uh, a lot of the local people, even people we don't even know that come in, they want to know a lot about Anthony's background, and, uh, and, and they're thrilled that a Jersey kid stayed in Jersey and uh, made his uh, state proud uh, and playing as hard as he can for Rutgers University. So developing a lot of Rutgers fans along the way. Absolutely, they're the best. Um, so you have plenty of stuff of him playing at Dayton and him playing at Rutgers, and now hopefully we'll have some of him playing in the league. Anthony signed today with EMG Sports. Yes. Uh, what went into that decision to pick them? It seems like it's kind of a family decision. Yes, you know, we try to base all the decisions from family. That's how we, we are, are, how we are, how we operate as a family. Uh, we're there for each other. We're always there for each other. And uh, we had four different ages. All of them are um, unbelievable, great people. We just feel that this is uh, the best chance for Anthony um, to go forward to achieve his goal and, uh, you know, his, his lifelong dream. So Anthony told me he's going to probably train in Florida or down south somewhere. How's he going to find food? Uh, yeah, I know, right? We, yeah, that's I mean, I grew up in the south. We didn't have pizza. I know. Well, uh, he's going to have a meal plan that it's going to unfortunately not include pizza because he needs to be in the best shape possible. Not to say pizza's not good for you. No, choppy pizza's good for you. <laughs> exactly, when you're training, but not too much. But the thing is, it's, uh, he's going to be on a uh, regimented diet. A nutritionist going to watch him. Uh, it's going to be a place where uh, he's going to really uh, maximize his uh, his potential in the pro day uh, and, and do the best he can and get him ready uh, to run it. You're the first Rutgers dad I've had on this show. Uh, what is it like from your perspective when you go through everything that Rutgers has gone through with Anthony being there, coaching changes and everything? You know what? It just it's it, it develops you to be for life because in life you're never sure what's going to happen. Uh, you never prepare when either a coaching change or something happens. It's up to you to, to persevere and to be strong and have a, a good foundation. Like, uh, you know, we listen to Charles Stanley. He's uh, a pastor in Atlanta. And he said one time, he goes, if you want to build a chicken coop, your foundation doesn't have to be that sturdy because it's only a chicken coop. But if you want to build a, an Empire State building, a big building, you need a strong foundation to withstand the wind and withstand a lot of things that's going to uh, affect it. So, uh, and that's what we base our our, uh, our belief in, and uh, as far as that goes, and a lot of faith in God. I I was talking to Anthony right before his senior day. You know, two and two and eight, two and nine at that point. Not the season you want, but he's still saying, "I think that Coach Ash is doing the right things here." From a parent's perspective, what do you think when you watch that? You know what? It's hard to watch because you know what goes in involved with these players, the whole team working so hard. I've been to a few practices, you know, a lot of practices, and. Uh, and I see how with the work they put in and how they prepared, Coach Parker, Coach Ash, Coach Bush, these guys are, are just totally driving these guys. And every day they, they believe in themselves. They believe that they're going to turn the corner and they were getting better and better. The, the end result didn't look like it, but they were getting better. And these kids put in a lot of hard work. And I commend the coaches for keeping them 
uh, up like that and, and doing a great job this year. Uh, You're obviously very proud of Anthony. I think most of this community is, but to see him be a leader and keep doing interviews and keep positive and saying the right things when you're going through that, like, is that just what you taught him to do? Always, always look at the bright side. There's always a good in everything. Always look at the good. It's easy to find bad. It's so easy to be critical and to point fingers, but you always have to find there's always good in something, no matter what. There's good in it. There's a reason why you're going through these things. There's a reason why to get you stronger. Maybe you're weak in some areas that you need to build that that strength. And I believe going through things like he went through, he knew and that he had to just stay positive because you can't crawl up. Life is hard. You know, it's hard out there. So you can't crawl up and just say, you know what, I don't want to start, I don't want to face nobody. Face, face everything and be strong as you can. I, I ask the same three questions at the end of these, like my big three questions. Um, Anthony was on the show earlier and had fun with him, but for you, and you can't pick Anthony Chaffee, no. other than Anthony, who would you say is your favorite Rutgers player? Uh, it's a tough one. They're all great guys. Uh, I, Justin Goodwin comes to mind. I just love him. Uh, there's so many good, beautiful boys there. They're awesome. They're hardworking. They're I, really, you, you, as corny as it sounds, you feel this a relationship with them as being your own kids. Right. But they, you know, I'm gonna miss that. And uh, as far as the team goes, but I know in the future we'll still always be tight. Um, second question: What's your favorite memory when you think about Rutgers? Well, uh, favorite uh, there's. The Bridgewater sack was a real good one. That was a good one, and also when he got trucked, <laughs> that was a good. That, that was a good one. But then he came back to block a punt. My wife actually didn't know it was him that got hit real hard. She was like, "Oh wow, that poor kid." And I said, "Well," so I had to make sure he was okay first. Then I said it was him, and I was kind of like, uh, "He goes, oh, oh my God, let's fly out there." But no, but that was the only game we weren't there. Anyway, but wow, uh, really. Yeah. That's a lot of travel. Yeah, we did a lot of traveling. We uh, we enjoyed with the parents. Really had a great relationship with a lot of parents. Um, that was, yeah, that. And uh, him just intercepting the ball. Every time he gets up for the ball and intercepts, I love, you know, that's fond memories. And then uh, the last thing, this is usually more for the players, but I trust your opinion as a restaurant yeah. man. Um, if you're at Rutgers, where would you go eat? Old Man Rafferty's. Definitely go there. We, we, we like that place. Uh, even when... Um, we were stalking Rutgers when the new coaches came. We were always riding in the area. My wife goes, why do you always want to go to Old Man Rafferty's? I like Old Man Rafferty's. Meanwhile, I take a trip in the hail, hopefully run into one of these guys. And yeah. it was, uh, But that was our favorite place to eat at, regardless. And if you're not in, at Rutgers, obviously you're eating here at Choppy's <laughs> Deli. Yeah. For the Rutgers fans that for some reason don't know about this place, why do you think they should come here? You know what, Other than the great food, you know, I mean, it, I've eaten here it, before plenty of times. I appreciate that. It's, you know what? It's food's one part of it, of course. But the family atmosphere, you come in, I like to greet my customers, treat them like they're part of your family. They're coming into your house, uh, so to speak. And uh, and you got to uh, develop relationships with my customers. And you know, we're, here, we're here 36 years, and we just uh, appreciate people go anywhere. But them coming in here, we value that a lot. And that's uh, that appreciating people. Well, thanks for joining the show. I oh, love, love it. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Awesome job. Someone has to. <laughs>And we are back. I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation that I just had on this week's episode. It's always fun to talk family and, and getting a Rutgers parent's perspective, I thought would be a great insight leading into the holidays. And you hear 
Jerry Chaffee is a guy that's been high on Rutgers for a long time. And even though his kid is now gone, leaving Rutgers, he's still a Rutgers fan. He told me he's still coming to every home game. He loves Saquon Hampton. And I think it's cool that you see parents that even after their kids leave still want to support the program. Speaking of parents, I'm joined by a parent now who is busy Christmas shopping this week, and that is Brian Doan. What'd you get me? Uh, In order to get something, you have to be good. Therefore, and I'm not buying you coal because it's too expensive now. Yeah. So, yeah, you're getting Well, I'm very environmental, like eco-friendly, so I wouldn't like that. Yeah, good point. So you get nothing and like it. (laughs) No present for you. All right. Oh, man, Caddyshack and Seinfeld in the same sentence. I love that. We're jumping in here. We're going to talk about the offensive coordinator and Drew Merringer's departure. But just to be clear, we record these things in advance. It's not like a live radio show. So we're not going to get into the speculation and the discussion of candidates because it changes quickly. And by the time you're listening to this, I'm positive that the situation will have changed. Instead, I want to talk about the impact of Drew Merringer's departure. And it's really twofold. First, the lack of consistency at offensive coordinator is ridiculous at this point. It's a joke. And I feel really bad for the juniors and seniors that, you know, yet another group of kids that can't have any consistency. I'm going to stop you right there. And and I'm going to put it to you this way. And people will go crazy about this. But if you want consistency and you want to keep your coordinators who you think are good, then it goes to your athletic director and it goes to your president And until they're willing to pay the money, and until President Barchi is sitting there and willing to pay the money to do this, this is what's going to happen. So you can complain all you want, and you can say we should have him, we should not have him. This is what happens. When Purdue is spending $3 million a year on a head coach, Purdue, Purdue, not Michigan, not Michigan State, not Iowa, Purdue, it comes down to the president of the university. Does he care about athletics or doesn't he care about athletics? And until he cares about it and you're going to spend $450,000 and have these coordinators that can go make more money somewhere else being position coaches and getting a title, this is what's going to happen. You're right uh, about you making people mad. Uh, you've criticized them before. And look, if you're Drew Merringer, of course you're going to take the raise go home, uh, coach at Texas. Uh, he's from Texas. That's kind of a big deal. And go work for your best friend. I, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him at all, no. but you're going to see it all the time because I don't, I don't care what you say. I have no tangible proof other than a little bit here, a little sprinkle there, that Barchi has any care that athletics does well. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to transition into the recruiting impact from that little rave, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. I don't think this is going to have a big impact in recruiting. I talked to pretty much every offensive commit that Rutgers has. Some of them, when I didn't even ask, talked about how they didn't care about the change. As long as Jonathan Lewis is on board with it, I think that that's all that matters, and he clearly is. Jonathan Lewis is not only a leader in this class, but he's the quarterback. So if he's able to say, hey, Bo, hey, Everett, hey, Micah, we're good don't worry about it. I think that's all that matters. I really don't think that this will hurt recruiting. And you know what? Maybe it'll help. Maybe the guy that they bring in has relationships with some four-star wide receiver that Rutgers suddenly likes. You never know. You're 100% right. They could bring in somebody. I'm going to isolate that, by the way. I'm 100% right. 
good call on that. Well, it had to happen. The year's almost over, so you had to get something right. But I, I look at it from this standpoint. If you have a head coach that has a plan, before word got out publicly that Merringer was leaving, not only did he talk with Jonathan Lewis, his most important recruit, he got in touch with St. Peter's prep coach Richie Hansen. When I say he, I mean Chris Ash. And made sure they were on board with it, made them comfortable with where he's going, kept them in the loop because he communicates and because he has very good relationships with both of them. And so your quarterback recruit is on board, and he says everything's okay. And so your offensive players say everything is okay. And your head coach is communicating and already has incredible relationships with these kids. It makes it a lot easier because the fact of the matter is, yeah, we talk about eight coordinators in eight years, and next year we'll talk about nine in nine years. Definitely. But the important thing is the head coach conveyed the message to everybody of what's going on. He made no promises that there'd be a coordinator in place by the next official visit weekend and then have kids come to campus with no offensive coordinator there. He said, I'm going to work on it to get it done. Hopefully we get it done in a week. If it takes a little longer, it takes a little longer. We're going to go with the same offensive philosophy. We're going to do the same things offensively that we want to do. And there's always going to be tweaks. If Merringer stayed, I'm sure there were going to be tweaks to the offense. But fundamentally, your philosophy is the same. He's going to go hire somebody with the similar philosophy as Merringer. Then it helps ease the mind of the recruits through the process. This is where you mentioned the relationships. I know people hate to hear that, but this is where relationships come in. You have a head coach that gets you have a head coach that gets to know every kid. You have a head coach that's making in-home visits with every kid. So which didn't happen before. Exactly. So now you have guys that well, as long as the head coach is there, I'm good or if you're Samuel Vretman told me this, you know, maybe Maringer's gone, but he built such a good relationship with Vince O'Crew and A.J. Blazek. He doesn't care. If you know multiple coaches and not just the one primary recruiter, that's what matters. And that's why I think it's silly when you talk about the one primary recruiter with a lot of kids because at real schools, it's everyone. Well, it, that doesn't happen anymore. Now, somebody will have an area, but then everybody else gets involved. And it's interesting. It, it brings me to the trust level and the relationship with coaches and it's something that gets developed over time, and it reminds me of when the former coach went to go see Donald Bedell, and they didn't have a defensive coordinator. And I remember talking to Donald Bedell afterward, and he said, well, Rumson Fairhaven, for those that don't remember, defensive end. And he said, uh, you know, I asked about who the new defensive coordinator would be, and Coach Flood said he didn't have anybody on staff that he thought would be the defensive coordinator. And then a little bit while later, Joe Rossi was hired as a defensive coordinator. And... Those are the little things that undermined the trust factor in the relationships with kids. And I think from talking to the recruits like you have, I think Ash has been pretty upfront. He's not promising anything. He's just telling them what he wants in an offensive coordinator, and he's not about to overhaul a system that he's just trying to change. So I, I think you're on the money, Sam. As much as it pains me to say it, you are 100% right. It should not have much impact in recruiting. It's time for another recruiting spotlight here on the Rutgers ScoutCast, and it falls upon one of the two commitments that Rutgers received in the last seven days, and that is Waquayek cornerback Amir Marset. Now, 
Brian, I'm just going to guess that you didn't do the evaluation for this kid that someone else did because Marset was unrated, underrated, and then when he started trending towards Rutgers, he became the number two corner in the state. And as we know, you drop everyone that is committed to Rutgers. That is true. I thought Boston College and Iowa would make a bigger push, so I upped his ranking. But now that he's committed to Rutgers, I'm going to petition Scout for a one and a half star. And just to be clear, we're being sarcastic. Uh, Marset, the number we two, <laughs> the number two corner in the state, behind Harrison Hand, ahead of guys like Najee Jones. I like his athleticism a lot, and the question that I had about him was always, is he gonna? get it done in the classroom because we all know that Rutgers doesn't have the best history recruiting that school, but he got the SAT score he needed. His GPA is up and, and Ash isn't going to just take a kid because he's good. He's going to do the research. He's going to do the research, but let's go back again to the situation as far as whether a kid can get academically eligible or remain ineligible. Al-Qadir Port's it was stacked against him because of the school he was at before Waquayek. There was such little chance that he could get eligible. It, it, to take the commitment was amazing. Um, Sidney Gopre, just if you stayed on top of him and you followed up and you did the right stuff, maybe he had a chance. So, yeah, I agree with you. Ash isn't going to take this kid unless he thinks he can get him qualified and, and all that other stuff. But I think the biggest thing with this kid is... He's a phenomenal player. He's got to get stronger. Um, that's one thing. I cannot wait to check out his... I'm going to get a game film of his. I did not get a chance to see him play in person with the pads on. We saw him, Sam, you and I... Uh, at the 7-on-7. Seven seven, seven. Yeah, 7-on-7, seven seven, and he was fantastic. I mean, he just jumped off the field at the end of a late day, and we knew at the time, you know, I spoke with him, and we knew academics were an issue, so we decided to, like, just let him concentrate on that instead of putting pressure on him by writing recruiting stories. But I look at it, and I can see myself making this kid a four-star if the game tape looks good. Harrison Hand will probably get moved to safety in the last set of rankings. This kid may wind up being the number one cornerback in New Jersey. The other kid that may be the number one cornerback in New Jersey is Bryce Watts. They're two very good players. If Bryce winds up going to Rutgers, then, and then you have Marset, you have I don't like the fact that you could start two freshman corners, but they have the talent to start two freshman corners. Marcet is tremendous. He runs well. His If you go back and watch his tape, watch how easy he transitions to turning and running with the receiver. There's no stiffness. He's one of the loosest kids you'll see, and that's the huge thing because when you're playing press coverage and a kid tries to run past you, can you turn and get to full speed in two steps? And this kid can do it. If he was playing at Don Bosco or Paramus Catholic or St. Peter's Prep, he'd have 30 offers. You're right, because academics would have been even less of a concern at that point. And he's talented, and he's a great kid. I've talked to him probably once a week since August, and I really like him. He He's competitive, and, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable when I'm asking kids about their academics, and I don't want them to feel like I'm being critical. But he was always like, hey, look, it, it's on me. I my GPA is terrible, and, and Aaron Henry really s- smacked me around verbally uh, and put me in line, and I appreciated that. So the, he's just cool to talk about whatever. He's competitive. He has got he plays with an edge, and uh, I think he's going to be one of the you know Ash guys that does the right 
kind of things when properly motivated. It's funny because I remember interviewing him the first time, and I don't think he had done an interview before. And he was so nervous. And then it's fun to see kids grow like that and, and how they just become more comfortable and more confident with themselves, more sure of what they're supposed to say in interviews and how it goes. And, you know, you mentioned the academics. I don't believe that if you have bad academics, it doesn't always mean you're not bright. There's there's a lot of other circumstances involved with it. I mean, I've been to Waquayak High School. I've gone in to interview kids there. It's a different feeling than when you're going to Don Bosco or Paramus or West Orange High School. Different challenges for kids uh, and their families. And I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying there's different challenges. And so maybe he doesn't have the same opportunity with tutors that other kids have. And that's why I always look at it and I say, just because a kid may be academically ineligible or a borderline academic kid, it doesn't mean they're dumb. It just means that, now sometimes it does and sometimes it means they're lazy, but other times it just means they're not focused on that because they may be focused on other things in a survival way. Now, as you know, Rutgers is not in a bowl game this year, and I think that a lot of people are thankful for that, that the season... That you don't have to watch the offense in another game? Yeah, I, I'm thankful that I don't have to go to any more football games this year because I've seen enough football right now. But speaking of bowl games and it's bowl season, by the time you're listening to this, it's really bowl season. Yeah, I mean, it starts on Saturday, so depending when you listen, we may be, I may be 5-0 and in my pool at my house. I couldn't even tell you five bowl matchups, so... Neither could I, yeah. but I'll be 5-0. and 1-0 five times. Um, Brian, what's your favorite bowl experience in terms of covering Rutgers or just going to the games? Oh, boy. Uh, fortunately for Rutgers fans, there's a good number to choose from in the last number of years. In living memory, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would have to say... The Insight Bowl was probably the craziest story because everything kind of aligned with the stars. It's the first bowl game they had since the Garden State Bowl, we all remember. You know, they ended the bowl drought. I was covering UCLA at the time for the LA Daily News. They had a great season. I think they were 10-2 and at the time. Wound up going to the Sun Bowl in El Paso, which normally I would cover. But my wife and I were expecting our first child a week before the bowl game. Actually, he was, he was actually due the day of the bowl game when it was scheduled. And our doctor was a Ohio State grad, went to medical school at Cincinnati. He loved Ohio State. I remember getting him tickets to an Ohio State-USC game. Great guy, just always loved to talk football. Anyway, he knew this was Rutgers' first bowl game in a while, and, you know, you go meet with him every freaking two weeks, it feels like as you're getting ready to have your, your child. And we start talking. He goes, you're going to the game in Arizona. It's nearby. I said, I'd like to, but, you know, we got to get this kid out. And he said, well, when do you need to go by? And we talked and whatever. And so we went to the doctor a week before the ball game. This was on December 21st of 2005. I hope I got it right. You're going to be in trouble if you didn't. <laughs> ah, they won't listen. And then... We go to the doctor, and he goes, well, checked it. Everything's good. If you want to induce labor, we'll induce labor tonight. You'll be able to get home, 
go to the bowl game. Now I'm living in L.A., they're playing in Phoenix, pretty simple flight, it's an hour. We get home, we pack everything up, we go over to the hospital, my wife's getting all ready, I'm enjoying my jello that they prepared for the fathers to eat while the moms, you know, just laid around, and my wife goes into labor before they can induce her. They're getting ready to induce her. We have, the, we have our first kid. He comes out. It's, uh, everything's fine. Except so, for the fact that he's kind of a jabroni. Well, he, he is a little bit of a jabroni. Um, but we wind up going to... Well, I go to the ball game. My wife is in no condition to travel. Had to have a friend come over and watch her and help out with the baby. I drove to the ball game the day before, went. Went to the bowl game, enjoyed it. It was, it was one of the great times when 10,000 Rutgers fans wound up going out there to see it. Saw a lot of people I haven't seen for a while. Drove back the next day. Everything was good. Well, I guess I can't beat uh, childbirth. Should you have gone first? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I did love the Birmingham Bowl because, I mean, when else am I going to go to Birmingham and just quote my cousin Vinny for an entire week? And great civil... Rights Museum there. And it was good to see Mike Teal go out the way he deserved. But my favorite bowl game was actually the next year in St. Petersburg for a lot of reasons. One, like, it's the Beef O'Brady's Bowl. Like, how could you not love something that dumb? That, and we know how much you loved eating at Beef O'Brady's while you were down there. I did go there, yeah. It was a disaster. Um, that was great. The fact that it was before Christmas was great. This podcast brought to you by Beef O'Brady's. Go oh, ahead. definitely. And PapaJohns.com. Um, I loved that Anthony Davis was so blatant about declaring for the draft that he just didn't care. Um, it was cool that when Devin McCourty hurt his eye, that Billy Anderson, a walk-on corner, actually got to shine. I think he had a pick in the game. It was really cool. Damaso Munoz's flip and Greg trying to suppress his smile afterwards was amazing. But the absolute best part of the St. Petersburg Bowl is that this is where this is where Tampa plays, the baseball team. And in right field, Tim Brown, the wide receiver, is standing there jumping around after the game. And I'm like, oh, he's celebrating. So I'm watching. And all of a sudden, a child falls out of the, like, the stands where you sit. And his girlfriend is throwing his kids to him so they can <laughs> celebrate. Thankfully, he caught them. But that was just absurd. Oh, that's the same place that in the outfield they had stingrays. And I took my kids at halftime so they could pet the stingrays. All right, welcome into the Rutgers Scout Cast mailbag. And as you know, at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter, shellman at scout.com. And you can check out our free extended trial on Scout Report by contacting me via email. And also a good time to mention that for our members, your holiday shopping, you still have something to do. 10% off tickets through Ticket Monster and 10% off gear through Fanatics. That's just with a membership. So. Check that out. You can also gift Scarlet Report memberships, and you get some free, some free kickbacks in return. So check all of that out, or contact me with questions. Now jumping into the mailbag on topic this week. I know that Brian loves his hoops. Love my. It's fun to watch a team that actually plays hard and looks like they're coached. And I'm not talking about my sixth grade fast break team is three and one. Well, let's work on uh, going one no before we reflect on where we are so far. First off, I love that Steve Peichel says 1-0, and and when he was told why that's a bad idea, decided to say it even more. Uh, but the question this week is, will Rutgers make the NIT? Oh, boy. Um, if they made the NIT, 
they should put a little statue of Steve Peichel out front and then another one of Carl Hobbs and Brandon Knight and the rest of the assistants. Uh, for me, boy, that would be amazing. I don't think it's doable, but they seem to be getting better. They seem to get some points inside and they move the ball and they get open shots. I just don't know if this team shoots the ball well enough from the perimeter to have that happen. I mean, you know, this isn't the old days of the NIT where you go 500 or a game above 500 and you're in. There's actually some criteria now for selecting, and especially if you're a mid-major and you win your conference and you don't go to the NCAAs because of the conference tournament, you wind up in the NIT, so it takes away some of those slots. But to even have that conversation, Sam, and it were thinking about it and people are actually asking it yeah and it's it's december we're not talking preseason like it is almost christmas yeah and i look at it i remember i bet somebody a few years ago who said that the rutgers would make the nit and it was the easiest lunch i've ever come across an idiot (laughs) i mean it was just what do you go to west virginia (laughs) he did go to west virginia good call um but anyway for me just talking about it and watching them play and sharing the basketball and rebounding hard and giving effort, hey, that's what you want out of teams. Now, you win, you lose, whatever. But give me the effort. Give me the fight. Even at Miami where they were down 20 and last year they would have lost by 97, they came back and at least made it decent. No, you don't make the NIT, but maybe revisit it a month because they've surprised me so far. I'm going to say no. Because it's for the same reason I pick Alabama to win the title every year and the same reason that I pick the Rutgers offensive coordinator to leave every year. Until I'm proven otherwise, I'm just going to bet the odds. But here's the thing. Rutgers is 10-1. and one. Good chance at getting to 11-1 and one against Fordham on Sunday. If they don't, that's, it, that's bad news. Bad. You're telling me this team can't win four or five games in the Big Ten? I think so. I mean, Penn State at home to open... Illinois to close, Minnesota at home. There are winnable games. So, I mean, it's possible. My question is, you've relied so heavily on C.J. Getty so far. That's not the kind of big man that you get production out of against Purdue and against Michigan State. No, and when you watch him play against athletic teams, he really struggles to move his feet. He'll he'll do well. You can see why he was a mid-major player before this year. He'll do well against good talent. But against elite talent, he will be minimized because they'll pull him out and either shoot over him or if he comes out, they'll drive right past him and he's not going to have the foot speed to catch the ball turn and get shots off in Big Ten games. Well, here's the thing. You finish 15-16 and 16 or whatever, 16-15, something like that, maybe they can go to the CBI. That would be good for them. But I think the biggest thing that I want to see out of them is I want to see some real fan atmosphere. I, I think for that Penn State game, which I know you have circled on your calendar. New Sam, Year's Day, baby. Can't wait. For me, students won't be there, but you have a chance. That should be a good game. I, hopefully the students will get behind the team because when the students get behind football or basketball, it makes the environment more fun because too many other people just like to sit and stand there and complain. The other thing I think is you want people to have desirable tickets. Instead of just you know, you you go because someone gave you free tickets or whatever. Like, that's yeah. great, but you want people that paid for these tickets are excited to see the team, and I think that's the next step. 
I think that Rutgers basketball has earned it, but I understand why fans have. It, I get it. This is very similar to to the year that probably um, Jonathan Mitchell's first year, I believe, with Rutgers when they were pushing for the NIT. I remember they lost a game up at Providence that just kept them out of the NIT. Oh, and Mike Rice killed them after that game. I remember that. I got. I remember getting called and asked if I could take the video down because I was the only one that had the video up after it. I think he called them losers about ten times in the video. Probably four or five times. We call that foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. But it has that feel. People aren't fully on board yet, but there's excitement about how they're playing and for the potential. It's like Mulder and Scully. I just want to believe. Star Trek? (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Going off topic this week, and let me just preface this, fans, this is 100% your fault, okay? I see how many people download this show every week, and the fact that I only got one off-topic question, this is on you. The question is for Brian, what do you think of the new generation of Pokemon? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How about if it comes out? It hasn't come out! Stop yelling. I have to edit that. Look, I do have a couple Pikachus wearing their Santa hats. I'm very excited to evolve one of them into a Raichu with a Santa hat. Um, as a matter of fact, as soon as I finish with this podcast, I will be making the swing down College Ave to hit a bunch of pokey stops and maybe go to the bookstore and take care of that gym there because I need to get some more coins. But it hasn't come out yet. I keep waiting and waiting and waiting. My kids are waiting. My kids are waiting. My wife is waiting, who bragged to me this morning how she got in six gyms on her way to work. I don't think she knows what to do with the coins once she get them or even to collect, but I'm just happy she knows how to get in a gym, I guess, because a week ago she didn't. But out, anyway. of, out of context, that would sound really bad. Talking about your wife getting into the gym. Well, she has a torn calf muscle now, so Soft. she's not going to do anything. Please. Corey Sanders played with strep throat. I he, agree. He won it for shoes. Hey, I agree. I agree. If my wife can do anything, she would win anything for shoes. <laughs> Sneakers, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, so to answer your question, I am still very excited about Generation 2 when it comes out. But it hasn't come out, and you would think it would come out, because Santa's leaving the North Pole soon, and he needs to load his sleigh with a lot of Pokemon Generation 2 stuff to bring the kids across the globe. And if Generation 2's not out, how do you do it? Ghost gang, ghost gang. Another long night at the editing table at my desk, and another Rutgers scout cast is in the books. This is my favorite segment of the week, so I appreciate everyone that stuck in this long for the episode. This was longer than I know you're used to. We went a little, there was a lot to talk about, let's just put it that way. So I think that for our Next episode, which would be the day Rutgers plays Seton Hall, the eve of Christmas Eve, will probably go a little bit shorter on the show to even things out. Hopefully we'll get Brian to stop by one more time this year. And like I said, I have a couple ideas for a guest. We'll, we'll Honestly, we're going to see how it goes, and we'll see where we are with the Rutgers offensive coordinator at this time next year. Who knows? Maybe the new OC is all set by then, and he wants to come on the show. We'll see how it goes. Thanks again to Jerry Chaffee for joining the show. I don't think he's on Twitter, which is probably good. If I were a Rutgers parent, I don't think I would want to be on Twitter either. But you can always say thanks in person. Go stop by the deli. It's very easy to get to off the parkway, off 22. 
and have something to eat. I've had, I highly recommend uh, the eggplant sandwiches. I highly recommend the pizza, the soups. They make all sorts of good stuff. Why don't you go in and say hi and, and say thanks for joining the show? Well, that's really all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you listening. Stay tuned to Scarlet Report for the latest on everything, including the Rutgers offensive coordinator search. I am your host, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.